Welcome to this week 16 edition of Bruce Monin's Computer Points, where we review the state championship games. I am Bruce Monin, your host, recording as usual from the home studio in Minster, Ohio. And once again, checking in from the greater Cincinnati area, home of the undefeated 7-0, number 34 ranked Cincinnati Bearcats basketball team. We have our co-host, executive producer, and chief researcher, Rebecca Monin. Always happy to be here. I'm excited to watch that basketball ranking go up. Yeah. You got any plans for a big party for the big Xavier game Saturday? Saturday. Mom's in town, so I'm doing housework. Okay, that works as well. <laughs> no, I'm not going to be watching the game. I'm a bad right. sports fan. Well, this week we have a first, Rebecca. Oh, we yeah? have two guests on the podcast. Sounds like we it'll are... be fun for you to edit. It, it sure should be. This week, we are graciously joined by the coach of the Division Five champions from Perry High School, Coach Bob Guesswitch, and also the coach of the Division Two champions from Massillon, Coach Nate Moore. Welcome, coaches. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, Bruce. Our uh, tradition here is we like to ask the coaches about how they got to this point in their football. I believe Coach Moore needs to leave us here shortly, so we're going to start with you, Nate. Doing some research. I I had to remember this stuff from back when you were Minster coach. I'd heard some of this, but you played high school down at Mason, I believe. That's correct. I'm guessing offensive lineman in those days. I, I played center and defensive end at Mason High School. And then same about same thing. You were at Dayton. You were at Yeah, at Dayton, I played right tackle. From there, assistant coach at Chaminade Julian for a couple years. Correct. Then it was off to Minster for three glorious years up here in West Central Ohio. Actually, I went from, from Chaminade Julian High School to Hamilton High School. Oh, you followed, uh, followed Jim oh. Place. Yeah. Yeah, Jim Place. I couldn't think of his name offhand now. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so it was, yeah, it was there for three years also and, and then made the jump to, to Minster, first head coaching job. And loved being in, in the village of Minster. Lots of really fond memories. Lots of friends still there, including you, Bruce. Thanks for having me on. And lots of great memories for the Wildcats. And we had three good year, years here while you were here. And then it was off to Cincinnati LaSalle. Correct. LaSalle? Yeah, correct. Got yourself a state championship down there. I remember I didn't see that game in person. I went to one of your early games at uh, Nippert Stadium. I forget who you were playing mm-hmm. down there. That was a- yeah, that was, that was uh, Oak Hills in the Crosstown showdown shootout whatever they called it and, uh, something I like think, that, i think yeah. there was a there's a nice group of of minster people that came to that we, we really appreciated it becca and i yeah i kind of liked it it's a, a, if i can get minster people down to see university of cincinnati i'm always in favor of that so mm-hmm. and nippert stadium's a fun place to watch a football game sure, that's is. Sure. sure is and after that you're on to Massillon, officially washington high school i don't think anyone seems to ever they just call it Massillon. you seem to uh Thank you. Get the uh, get the town name for your school there, but you've had quite a successful run. I'm sure it was nice. They had so many state championships there back in the 50s and 60s mm-hmm. and and whatnot. That town had to just been craving to get another one. Now that the in the in the current times, that must be pretty happy times there right now. Yeah, everybody's really really excited. Our last state championship before this was 1970, so it was pre playoff era. 1980, 82, 05, and then uh, 18, 19, and 20. So, so six six times in the final game uh, without winning, and so this was lucky number seven. That's a that's a lot of trips to the state championship game. It's both a, I guess, a good thing and a bad, right? You're, everyone, you're happy sure. you get that far, but when you can't quite make that last step, people get a little frustrated too sometimes. So yeah, no doubt, it's it's uh, it's a it's a blessing and a curse. It's you know, it's it's a it's a thrilling ride. You, you got a lot of great players, obviously, to get to that point. A lot of great coaches and support, and, but to, but to lose that final game uh, is absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah, that's that's for sure. As we said, we have some cons- some time constraints here, so Coach Gesowich will go through your stuff a little more in depth after we talk about the first state championship game this year, and it was the Division Two game Thursday night. Actually, you, you pulled some fairly decent weather for that compared to mm-hmm. what showed up on Friday. We had Maslin against Akron Archbishop Hoban, who'd won several state championships the last few years. 
So I knew this was going to be a heck of a game. The final score was seven to two. Now, some people are going to say, okay, so that wasn't that interesting of a game. As a coach, though, that had to have been a tense throughout the entire game with that score always being within a within a score the whole way from beginning to end. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a game where, you know, every every play felt just absolutely absolutely critical, especially uh, in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I was just following the plays along and it was I was actually kind of surprised. I saw it as of the middle of the fourth quarter, there were only six pass completions in the whole game for 36 yards. It was a pure pounded out type game. I was expecting a little more passing going on there. And it just mm-hmm. neither defense allowed it, I guess, would be the way to put it. Yeah, two great defenses, you know, probably the, the two best defenses in the, in the state of Ohio. You know, both both sides really, really good up front and and good on the back end. I mean, I mean, Akron Hoban was, was good at all three levels. We were good at all three levels. And so it was it was an old fashioned slugfest. And, and you, you know, you don't see that so much these days, especially at that level of a game. But two unbelievable defenses. I can say just doing a quick recap of the game here. Oban actually had what maybe was their best drive of the game when they received the opening kickoff. Mm-hmm. Took the ball, went right down the field, got to the 19-yard line of Maslin and fumbled the ball away or had a fumble force, depending on how you care to think about that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But So it looked like they were going to have a good a good offensive run in this game, and that was pretty much their best drive of the whole game right there at the beginning. So you guys must have made some good adjustments fairly quickly. Yeah, I mean, we, we settled in and played football, you know, is, is, is really the, the biggest part of that. They Hoban does some unbalanced things, and, and, you know, we knew that the issues that were presented with that, but you still have to go out and execute. And once we settled into how they were trying to attack us, we slowed them down a lot more. And, and turnovers, like you said, were, were huge in this game. We, we didn't turn the ball over offensively, and, and we picked up a couple from Hoban, so that was huge. That usually is. I noticed you also had a very one, maybe one of your best drives of the game on your first possession. Went right down the field, got stopped on downs at the what twenty-two yard line. So mm-hmm. again, same, about the same thing. Both teams went down, got close, but the defenses wouldn't allow them to score. Yeah, yeah, I mean, very similar. Yeah, especially in the second half, it, we we struggled really getting anything going offensively. And it seems like the two biggest plays of the game would be would be two Hoban punts in this mm-hmm. game. First one, I guess they're both in the first half here. You are able to block one of their punts and get the ball on their 28-yard line. Was that something you were looking for? Anything you saw on film you thought you had a shot to get to one of the game, or is it just just your normal punt punt block attempt worked out this time? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a normal return with, with a couple guys forcing the kick, um, and, and their punter actually bobbled the ball, and, and that was really the the difference and, and you know we got home on it uh you know chase bond uh blocked that for us and and then like you said we scored on that drive so that, that ended up being a, a huge play in the game yeah that made it seven to nothing the only other score came when hoban got a punt off and they downed it at the one yard line so you had to start at your own one yard line suffered a safety then that made mm-hmm. the score seven to two i'm trying to remember that was very close to half wasn't it yeah, it was very close to half. Close so to half. the uh, the part where you had a kickoff from the 20 didn't come into play so much. Time ran out before Hoban could do anything else. Yeah, I mean, we, 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 I mean, we had a nice kick, you know, even though we were backed up and played really good defense after that. And I don't even know how to describe the second half. It was just penalties, fumbles that weren't lost, stopped on downs. It's like nobody could move the ball whatsoever. You had just been staring at that clock, wanting that sucker to tick a little faster, I would think. Yeah, no doubt. So what do they do in Maslin when you win a state championship? Well, the the, the stadium was absolutely packed, you know, first off. They, they announced, I think, 14,800 people, but there's no way. It was it was absolutely more than that. There had to be 20,000 people in that stadium. And then, uh, you know, we, we, we take our buses through downtown and stop at the uh, the amphitheater outside of the the Maslin Museum, Bruce. There, there had to be eight ten thousand people out there. <laughs> it, it was it was absolute madness. the The city of Maslin had been dying for a, a state title, you know, over the last fifty three years. And so there there was there wasn't a dry eye in the place. I mean, 
grown men just, you know, tears pouring down their face just because they're they're and I I don't think that we needed that to validate our program at, at all, but there there was that thing about you haven't won one in the playoffs and whatnot and and you know, people that love the Tigers, that that does that the wears on them over fifty three years. And so to get that done for the city uh was was a great thing. All right. Well, I know you have to get going. Congratulations, coach. Maybe we'll see you in the state championship again here in the near yeah. future, huh? I hope so. Bruce, really appreciate you having me on. It's great to see you again. All right. Well, thanks for being on. Take care. All righty. So, Rebecca. Mm-hmm. Maslin wins our first game. Our predictions last week, we all picked Maslin across the board. Okay. Oh, 1-0 for all of us. Yourself, myself, Delphi St. John's coach, uh, Todd Schulte, both the computers, and, of course, my uh, – Harbin computer points that I keep updating throughout the postseason. Everyone said Maslin for that game. No one seemed that sure of it, to be honest. But we all. No, I, even now I was like, did I pick Hoban? That would be really <laughs> awkward if I did. And I couldn't remember <laughs> which way I went. So proud of past me for doing it right. <laughs> there you go. So we're all 1 0 to start with. A good start to our state championship weekend. We'll start with our Friday games now. and. Fortunately, I was not there, but it's the weather sounded awful on Friday. It sounded wet. It sounded cold. Not the way I, I prefer to watch football games myself. And I felt bad for the players out there. It seemed like there were a lot of drop punts. And I just can picture cold, wet hands trying to field these punts. And it probably wasn't pleasant. So we will start with one of our uh, most intriguing games of the weekend, I would say. And that would be Kirtland hosting Versailles Friday morning. And I believe, Coach, you kept a kept an eye on this game, being in the same conference as Kirtland. Yeah, you know, being in the same conference as Kirtland, but also just being a fan of high school football. Uh, and, and we're actually not in the same, so it's it's weird. We're in like this mega conference, so we're in the same conference, but not the same. What would you call it? Division or league, whatever it may be. Um, but we play them in out of conference every year. So, you know, obviously with Versailles beating them two years previous, it's it was one worth watching to see how that one played out. Um, and I know that Versailles had a, a very dynamic quarterback. So, so yeah. Oh, absolutely. I've seen him in person, and that's a very good way to describe him. All right, we'll give our rundown here, and please throw in your knowledge if you can in between of all of my rambling. This was, as I put it, Kind of typical Kirtland stats at the end of the game. 311 rushing yards, 28 passing yards. Oh my that goodness. just sounds like a that just sounds like a Kirtland game to me. That's it. My notes from following the game. Versailles had the ball first. They fumbled their opening play of the game, but recovered it at least, but kind of messed up their first series and they punted it right away. Kirtland also fumbled on their first play. Again, I don't know if that's state championship nerves or if that's that cold weather with the cold, rainy weather, but the ball was loose early in this game. They also recovered the ball, but they actually followed up their drive by going right down the field, and then they fumbled the ball into the end zone and recovered it there for the touchdown to take the early 7 to nothing lead. It's always a exciting and dramatic series. Of- yeah, it's such a change. If you land on the ball at 7 points, if the other team lands on it, they get the ball at the 20-yard line. What a what a difference that re- fumble recovery makes in the game. Let's see. Another three and out for Versailles. When they punt, Kirtland fumbles the punt, but they recovered it again. So they were dropping the ball, but they kept landing on it. That's three of their own fumble recoveries already in this game. They then drove the ball 56 yards and seven running plays. So that's an average of eight yards a play. Just bam, 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 right down the field. Went up 13 to nothing after the extra point was blocked. So it's looking bad for Versailles. Versailles gets the ball, and they decide just to run the ball eight straight times also. On the ninth play, they go back to pass and hit a 31-yard touchdown pass to cut their deficit down to 13-7 to early in the second quarter. So just when you think Versailles has the momentum, Kirtland gets the ball back with a 90-yard kickoff return. The score, to take, to take the lead up to 19-7, to they tried for a two-point conversion and failed. A lot of punts and some more fumbles after that. <laughs> but Kirtland had the ball and got down to the Versailles one-yard line when time ran out for the half. So they came that close. 
to really putting a big lead on before halftime. I, I bet you, I bet you old Tiger Laverde really wanted that touchdown there right before half. Yeah, that's a tough one when you're sitting right there. In the second half, Kirtland punted early. Versailles drove to the Kirtland eight-yard line, and Kirtland stopped him on down. So Versailles made a run at closing the gap. The Kirtland defense shut him down in the in the red zone. And Kirtland then hits a 72-yard run, which sets up a two-yard touchdown. And that gives Kirtland the 25-7 lead. And in the MAC, they're shock all over the place. They thought... They didn't know Versailles would win, but no one thought they were going to get down by three touchdowns. Kirtland kept shutting Versailles down. In the fourth quarter, Kirtland does what Kirtland does. They took the ball, <laughs> used nine minutes off the clock on a bunch of running plays, and then punched it in the end zone for the touchdown to pretty much end the game. Uh, Versailles got a late touchdown, made the final score 32-15. to 15, But you give Kirtland a lead and let them start running that clock with that running game, and you're in trouble. At least that's the way I remember them. Is that pretty much how they operated this year, Coach? Yeah, I think uh, anytime you get down on Kirtland, particularly two scores, uh, you're really stressing and you're really pressing because you know that they're going to run clock on you. And so, you know, that's their formula. And and it's so I'd say it's worked decently well for them. Yeah, <laughs> decently well might be a little bit of a understatement there, but yes. A little bit. <laughs> Okay, it in the felt afternoon, like it was a, a pleasant game to run through, though. It it felt like all of the Friday games were full of fumbles, penalties, that kind of stuff. It seemed like there was a lot of that thing going on. And hmm. Like I said, I don't know if it was just the weather or that combination with the stress of the state championship game. But yeah, I don't it was a it was definitely a better game to pay your ten dollars a game to watch on on the internet than to go there <laughs> and sit in the stadium on, on Friday. Oh, it boy. Was, How did we do in picking that? I have a feeling I remember I picked Kirtland because they hadn't won against Versailles in the finals yet. Well, you I'm are right. We, we all had Versailles except Rebecca. You picked Kirtland in that game, and my Harbin computer points had favored Kirtland. So you're in the lead at this point, Rebecca, 2-0. and Ooh, I have a feeling it won't last. Well, let's see. The afternoon game, Toledo Central Catholic at Columbus Bishop Watterson. And this one, I think I can kind of sum this game up with Bishop Watterson ended the game with minus six yards rushing. Oh, no. They were shut down by Toledo Central Catholic. It started okay for Watterson. Toledo Central Catholic had a bad snap, lost 20 yards on one play and had a punt. Watterson, after fielding the punt, drove for a touchdown and took a seven to nothing lead. And that was pretty much the end of Watterson's good vibes for this game. Later on, uh, Toledo Central Catholic intercepted a Watterson pass to start at the second quarter. Drove it right down the field to tie the game at 7-all. Toledo Central Catholic had another drive going. Came up just short on a fourth down play. And then after a few more punts, the Watterson actually dropped one of the punts. Toledo Central Catholic recovered it at the 20-yard line. Short drive. And of 18 seconds till half, they took a 14-7 lead. In the second half, Watterson went to punt on their first drive. The punter dropped the ball and is tackled at his own 22-yard line. It took only three plays for Toledo Central Catholic to score again to go up 21-7. Watterson's next possession, their punter dropped the ball another time. But this time, he picked it up and ran 18 yards for a first down. But that was the end of their offense for that drive. They had a punt again later. Toledo Central Catholic had another chance for another drive, fumbled the ball away in the fourth quarter. But later on in the fourth quarter, they hit a 72-yard run to set up their final touchdown and their 27-7 win. So this one just sounded like basically Toledo Central Catholic dominated the game and probably could have won by more than they did. They could have converted a few drives there. Uh, did you get to see much of any of this one, Coach? No, no, I didn't see much after that first one. Uh, I watched the Curtin game, and I'm an AP in the middle school, and middle schoolers don't care if I want to watch football that day. So, <laughs> so I had to take care of some of that, and then we had practice Friday night, and then I actually had a father-daughter dance uh, Friday night, which was perfect because it got my mind off the game and, and got me doing some stuff. And, you know, you get stopped by some dads, but that's that's good. Uh, it means that they care, and they – you know, they have a lot of input and all that fun stuff. So I didn't catch much football Friday night. I caught the tail end of St. Ed's in Springfield. That was it. 
though those other dads give you a lot of advice make sure you put in this play for the game or anything (laughs) (laughs) no no they were actually super supportive and uh you know i thought it was it was cool they're all excited about it well we'll get into that in a little more detail later on oh i almost forgot rebecca yeah how did we do we all had toledo central catholic in that game except except uh Delphi St. John, Coach Todd Schulte, he, he had Watterson in the upset. It didn't work out for him too well there. That leaves you still undefeated at this point, Rebecca. <laughs> I feel like you're building me up for failure. But I'll <laughs> take it. I'll take it. All right. That leaves the Division One game that night. Lakewood St. Edward against Springfield. This is a third year in a row these two teams played in the state finals. Lakewood St. Edward won both of the other two times. and. They win again this time to make it three in a row. St. Ed's looks kind of Kirtland-like. They ended up with 305 rushing yards and only 31 passing yards. St. Ed's, let's see, their second drive of the game. They drove for a touchdown to take a 7 to nothing lead. They got the ball back on a punt and drove right down again to make it 14 to nothing. It was looking all St. Ed's early on. And here's a play we saw earlier this weekend. Springfield drove the length of the field, fumbled into the end zone, but they recovered their own fumble for the touchdown to make it 14-7. to So this game could have gotten ugly if they'd have lost that fumble, I think. That seemed to turn the momentum a little bit. After a punt, Springfield drove, tied the score up at 14-14. to But St. Ed's drove, drove down, put a touchdown in of two minutes before half to take a 21-14 lead. And Springfield returns a kickoff for a touchdown immediately afterward, made it 21-21 at halftime. Ooh. So we were really piling up the Tight points game. in the first half. Yeah. That was the last time Springfield would score. St. Ed's defense oh. shut them down in the second half. They had a really good halftime breakdown, huh? A couple of punts to start the second half. Then both teams lost fumbles. It was an ugly third quarter, I tell you. Springfield then punted to start the fourth quarter. St. Ed's drove down and hit a field goal, 36-yarder, to take a 24-21 lead. And that looked like that might be enough for the win. But on St. Ed's next drive, they did, boy, this sounds like Kirtland again. They run out all but 127 of the clock before scoring a touchdown for the final 31-21 score. So that's that's pretty much the Kirtland Versailles game's repeat there in Division One. So that's three years in a row for that. I think we need some new teams in the Division One state championship <laughs> next year, don't you, Coach? <laughs> Listen, anyone can stop them in theory, right? Uh, Ed's got it rolling. Mo Douglas does a really, really good job at Springfield. So I like to tell the story occasionally. I actually, when after I uh, was laid off from my engineering job, went to school and got an education degree and did some student teaching at Trotwood Madison. Coach there at yeah. Springfield now. Mo, he, yeah. he he tried to recruit me to be his stats man down at Trotwood. I just didn't feel like driving an hour down to Trotwood on a, every Friday night to do that. So <laughs> had to turn him down. But he was a fun guy to listen to at uh, in the teacher's lunchroom a couple <laughs> of days a week. I, I I enjoyed talking to the man. He, he knows his football, that's for sure. How'd we All do, right. Dad? How did we do? Division One, St. Edwards. Everyone took Lakewood St. Edwards except... Rebecca, who had I was really rooting the for upset. the upset. Yeah, I got <laughs> close though. I don't feel bad about that one. Yeah. The All right. Now ended. before, yeah. Now before we get to the Saturday games, we always have to name our team of the week. Our new <laughs> tradition here. And even though Coach Moore has left us, I decided that we're going to make Maslin our team of the week this week, and for a reason that he mentioned. That was their first their first playoff championship in seven attempts at the title game. Plus, their attendance at that game was about double or triple every other game. They must have had, like he said, everyone says it was a lot more than 14,846 there, which was the official number. I don't know if that's right or not, but the next highest total was 6,300 for the Marion Local Dalton game. Really? So the, uh, well, it didn't help. How far is Dalton from Canton, Coach? I have zero clue. I don't even know where Dalton's at. You don't even like know where Dalton is? Google. I'm told it's very close, but I don't know how close. Marion Local, of course, sent their normal half the town there, yeah. I'm sure. 
But I can say, just as a comparison, last year in a Division II game on a Thursday night between Toledo Central Catholic and Archbishop Hoban, there were 5,120 fans. So the attendance went up by almost 10,000 with having Maslin playing in that game instead of Toledo Central Catholic. So maybe we'll call that our fans of the week, Maslin High School this week. Yeah, they certainly deserve it. That's a crazy amount of attention. Uh, Going back to the Marion local Dalton game, though, Dalton is two hours from Kenton, so not not as close as you're thinking, I think. From Canton? Really? No. Canton. Canton, Canton. not Kenton. Canton, not Kenton. There's no. our miss. <laughs> There's our miss. Canton, Ohio. <laughs> wow, that's a lot closer. It's 22 minutes. Okay. 18 and a half miles. So they could have got dressed at the school and taken the bus over in their uniforms if they'd have wanted to. Yeah, pretty much. And Maslin's right did, smack dab so. in the middle of them. Yep. Yeah, it used to be the state championship games for years went back and forth between Maslin and Canton every other game. And, and I would go, and you would have to drive from the one town to the other twice a day. Mm. And it wasn't that far. Canton and, Canton and Maslin yeah, are pretty close together. Ten-minute drive. Yeah. Okay, on to the Saturday games. We'll start with the morning game. Coach had his Perry team in the locker room about this time, probably getting them ready to go for their game later on. Or I don't know how soon you start getting ready for a game. How how early you start getting them in, getting the team together for a three o'clock game, Coach? We actually got there earlier than we anticipated. Our kids kind of laughed and said they don't don't remember ever getting to an away game that early. But you know, I think we got there with maybe five six minutes left to go in the fourth quarter of the Marion local game, running clock game. So that sped things up a little bit. I know our quarterbacks hit the field at 147. All right. There you go. So the Marion local game started at 1030 against Dalton. This one was, um, as far as the online fans go, during the week there was a lot of people getting on, making their predictions about this game. And it wasn't the Marion local fans. It was all these other people getting on saying, oh, that Marion local, Dalton's in trouble. They're going to get beaten. The Dalton fans, you could, just, you could just feel them getting a little more irritated as the week went on. <laughs> and then Kirtland beat Versailles, and the uh-huh. Dalton fans came out of the woodwork. Yeah, Marion local only beat Versailles by one point. We can take these guys. We're, we're going to win them all. You know? <laughs> and then the game started, and oh boy, was it ugly in favor of Marion local in this game, I'm afraid. Marion was on their game, and when they're on their game, life is difficult for their opponents. So if you look at this game, if you look at the stats, they're really not that lopsided. Marion had maybe 60, 80 yards more than Dalton, not a whole lot. Marion Local had a touchdown on an interception return. I think it was an 80-yard interception return, if I remember right. They scored another one on a punt return. And boy, when you get the momentum of those type of things going, that is hard to come back from sometimes. My quick summary, Dalton starts the game. They get the ball. They punt. Marion Local scores a touchdown. Dalton gets the ball and punts. Marion Local scores a second touchdown. Oh, no. Second quarter, Dalton puts together a nice drive, working their way right down the field. Marion Local intercepts a screen pass at the 20-yard line, returns at 80 yards for a touchdown. Dalton's next drive, they punt. Marion Local returns the punt 66 yards for a touchdown. That's awful. Yeah, it was It was just... Ugh. Dalton punted one last time in the second quarter. Marion Local drove down. Oh, sorry, I'm wrong there. Second quarter? Dal- middle to late second quarter. Marion Local were- drove down. Dal- Dalton, re- Dalton intercepted a Marion Local pass to stop that drive. But they had to punt the ball back. Marion Local drove one last time, got to the Dalton 28. And then they got down a little closer. There was talk about whether they should go for the touchdown right before half. But, you know, when you're ahead by 28 points, that field goal starts the running clock just as good as a touchdown does. So they kick a 19-yard field goal, take a 31 to nothing lead at the half. Marriott Local received the second-half kickoff. They went 65 yards on six plays to go up 38 to nothing. And from there, it was just running clock time till everyone got ready for the big Division Five game afterwards. It was... Not the most exciting game in the world. Although, oh, boy, no. those I, I know those Dalton fans were so excited to be at the state championship. And that's just uh, – some people there said it almost looked like the kids got a little nervous early when they got behind by a touchdown. Or two. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I were hearing. And, you know, those Marion local kids, they've all been there before. So yeah, This is old hat to them. Yeah. So not the most interesting game of the weekend, but – 
you get some good ones and you get some not quite so good. So maybe next year, Dalton get back there. Maybe Minster could be there to play him, Rebecca, next year. That'd be a better game, right? Be closer. Yeah. Dalton will have some experience. He'll be ready to go next year. At least that's the theory. I'm sure Minster would be thrilled to be in the final again. Yes, we would. <laughs> yes, we would. <laughs> well, we'll have a better idea when the, uh, what do they call it? When the numbers come out and we find out what division everyone's in next year. Correct. Yeah. That If we're in the final, that means we probably weren't in the same division as Marion Local. I believe I heard this Marion Local team had eight seniors on it, four of which basically contributed. The rest of the team was all juniors. Oh, boy. So, yeah, oh they're going to be a good team again next year. That's for sure. All right. I'm guessing none of us picked against Marion Local last week. Nope. We all picked Marion Local, so. Like not said, much not to the most say dra- there. Not the most drama in that game. No. So let's move on to a game that did have some drama. Now, Coach, you might not have minded being on the good end of like a 38 to nothing running clock game instead of what you had to go through during your yeah. game here. What, I think it was nothing. fun. I think it was fun. You know, it's it's what a finals game should be. So two teams just kind of laying it all out there and a little bit of back and forth. While there was only one technical turnover, you know, some some opportunities left out on the field. But like I told our kids at halftime, you know, they practice too. They're allowed to want to try to win this game as well. So, All right. Now, we skipped this over for you earlier in the thing. We want to go over your career a little bit before we talk about the game. You can tell me how my research looks here. I see you went to Euclid High School. Yeah. yeah. So Northeast Ohio guy from the start. Yeah. Yeah, I went but to Euclid things, High School. So then things got a little interesting to me. I have some questions about some of the rest of this. Oh, All right. So, <laughs> Let's go. It says you, I saw you, you went to Bowling Green where you were a rugby player, I see. Yeah. So I worked at uh, Baco Manufacturing for a year. And I actually ran into one of my high school football coaches. I was always really strong in school, but nobody I knew went to college. So I just didn't even consider it. Ran into one of my coaches at a, at a blockbuster of all places. <laughs> and uh, he kind of cussed me out. And he was like, you know, you should be going to school. So uh, I was working at a manufacturing spot in the morning. And I was taking classes at night at a community college. And then transferred out to BG and played rugby there for a couple of years. And, and got my teaching degree. My next note says somehow you went from that to being an assistant coach somewhere in South Carolina. Uh, Woodland High School, Dorchester, South Carolina, right at the crux of the two major freeway systems down there. Coached there for, for a year. Thought I had a job lined up in Columbus, and then that school district didn't pass their levy. Uh, oh. So then I hit the panic button and wound up down in Nashville for five years. Not a bad place to be. It's not the worst. So <laughs> somehow you went from South Carolina and then over to Nashville, Tennessee, and somehow that led to two years as quarterback coach at Marion Local. Yeah. How does that so, jump happen? <laughs> so um, I was applying for jobs in Ohio. Uh, we were on our second, about to have our second child. You know, that was kind of the last gasp of coming back up north. And I got two job offers, one at Cleveland Heights and one at Marion Local, and I'd never lived in a rural area. I'd never tried rural schools. I went to a city school, taught at city schools, so I figured, why not? Let's try this, and uh, that's the first time I've ever, I we rented a, um, a farmhouse. I couldn't find anywhere to live, so mm-hmm. I actually lived at uh, Fort Loramie State Park. Is that right? Loramie State Park, yep. whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I lived in a tent there for two and a half weeks in the summer. And it was right at the same time as Country Fest, one of those weekends. Oh, boy. Let's do it. And the lady was really awesome. She's like, hey, you know, this is kind of sold out. We can save a spot for you, though, if you're still going to be here. And I was like, yeah, I am. I'm still looking. So, you know, I was, I was sitting there by my campfire in front of the little creek that I was camped out by. And I had uh, waterfront property at about 23 bucks a night and uh, was listening to some music and all that good stuff. And then we found uh, a... Uh, little farmhouse uh, on somebody's farm in in the thriving metropolitan area of St. Sebastian, which I made the mistake of calling it Chickasaw once. And they're like, no, you are not in Chickasaw. I was, I was, outside, I was outside of the city limits, I guess. Um, so I lived in St. Sebastian and 
you know, that, that was my first experience with rural Ohio besides driving by it. You know, I'd never been that close to livestock before. Um, it was still a working farm and it was, it was funny cause the kids are like, Oh, that's a small farm. And it was like 40, 50 acres like, <laughs> farm. where I grew up, you measure lots by feet. So, um, and the kids were asking me, they're like, you know, how do you like it out here? And my son at the time was like, I don't know, three years old, two years old, something like that. And I was like, you know, it's really cool. Me and Camden were out there watching the corn mower go by. And that thing oh, was no. pretty cool. They're like, the what? And I said, the corn mower. And they're like, what's the, <laughs> said, you know, the thing that chops down the corn? And so, you know, they thought that was really interesting. <laughs> so we absolutely loved it out there. I, I loved it. You know, I, I still remember talked to Tim and and he said, you know, I know you want to be a head coach. Uh, I don't think I'm going to give this up when Joel graduates. I'm going to keep coaching. Uh, so if you want to be a head coach, you know, you might want to start applying some other places. And and that's where we wound up at Dublin Jerome. And we were there for six years. And and then it was time for a change from that and wound up at Perry. I, I was wondering, actually, I just, yeah. I was wondering if maybe that one of those uh, outings where all the Maria Stein people head down to Tennessee to go hang out by a lake for a couple of weeks in the summer, if that was near where you were teaching, where you were coaching at at the time or something. <laughs> so actually, that's it's interesting that you say that because my sister, my sister's smart. She married money and um, <laughs> they would always go boating down at Norse Lake, which is where a lot of those people go. And there's a bridge that you jump off of there. Right. And so when I was in Nashville, I drive out for the day meter, not a big deal. But then when we moved up to Maria Stein, St. Sebastian, we would go there every, I think Labor Day weekend, Memorial, which one's later? Labor Day. Uh, Labor Day, yeah. Yeah. So we go down there every Labor Day weekend and uh, whole family, my extended family would go down there and I'd see some of the names and things like that that were spray painted on that. So I just thought that, that was kind of funny. It's just a random obscure lake you know tva tva created and ohio approved so <laughs> yeah I, i've been told whenever that week is when they all show up that the uh the stores have to stock up on their bush light in the bars because they don't oh, sell boy. that much down there normally but when maria stein people show up they need to have the, the bush light on tap so they are fans of bush lattes that is for sure <laughs> 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 all righty <laughs> well that answers several questions that i had that's good <laughs> and a couple you didn't probably and a, and a couple i didn't yep i know that coaching can be a bit of a nomadic profession at times but that that path looked really uh even different for that to me so no each each spot definitely had its positives and you know there are there are tangible reasons for exploring other opportunities and it's uh yeah, so it was it was really good. So eventually you end up back at Perry High School, and I'm sure they're glad you did right now. Well, right now, yeah. Next year, who knows? But yeah, right it's now. Whichever way the wind blows. I'm intrigued by the relentless sweatshirt there. We used to see that a lot with Coach Stokes well, this is, back in the day. This is one of Garen's uh, sweatshirts. We're, we're very close. So myself and, and Coach Stokes are, are very close. He's one of my best friends in, in coaching. So, you know, every once in a while we drop gear off with each other. And then uh, some other coaches make fun of us at clinics because we don't typically wear school gear. We wear these things and stuff like that. So Yeah. I may have a T-shirt or two that has that across the front of a yeah. house. So. <laughs> and he is, man. That, that guy is 100% relentless, you know, from working with him and seeing him. He is who he is. And there's there's no way. His dad used to say they'd get together for Thanksgiving and he could handle about an hour or two of talking with the relatives. And then he's off in the side room, breaking down film already, getting yeah. ready for next year. <laughs> Sounds about right. So you were up against Liberty Center. Both teams were undefeated. People that listen to this podcast know that Rebecca and I have been hard on the Liberty Center bandwagon since the uh, our preview show before the season started. So we had this one lined up as a as a probable good game. We always look on the schedule. We see someone that beat Kirtland, and we go, ooh, we like that school. They, if they can beat Kirtland, they must be good there. So so let's go back to that. That was early in the season. Tell me about that Kirtland game a little bit. It was fun. 
it was fun. Like that's a fun game period. You know, they're not, they're not technically in our league. So, uh, you know, I talked to Tiger and I said, we need to play this game because we need to see what it's like. We need to know what it's like to be a championship program, right? One of the, one of the many advantages that the Mac has is that they see it week in and week out. Um, so when you get into the playoffs, sometimes it's actually, you, you can pull the gas back a little bit. We weren't there. We need to see what it's like as much as humanly possible. So, you know, go to Kirtland two years in a row. We have to play at their place. And, uh, and this was the second of those years. And it was a great environment, great crowd. Um, they did some un-Kirtland-like things, stalled out inside the red zone. Actually, we turned the ball over more than they did. There were zero punts in a 24-6 to game. Wow. Which is pretty wild. <laughs> you know, we had, we had three or four stops inside the red zone. Uh, and they stopped us on the one-yard line going in. But yeah, it was it was a uh, it was a fun ball game, man. And it was one of those ones as a Browns fan. Even when it was twenty four or six, I'm I'm still staring at the clock with like thirty seconds left, trying to run the math through my head. All right, what are the probabilities of of them pulling this one out? So, so yeah, it was, it was fun. And and you know, I talked to our players after the game that that was that was a big game. You know, everyone's like, hey, this week's just like any other week. No, it's not. We uh, the way I approach it is we play nine games plus Kirtland. And that's a different ball game for us. That I hope it grows into a rivalry, but for me, it's it's a measuring stick game. Where are we at? And that's the positive of sixteen teams. Probably the only positive of sixteen teams getting in is that you can you can afford a game like that, where you know you're not going to be the favorite, or it might not even be a toss up most years. But you know, we talked after that game that hey, we can be the team that beat Kirtland, or we can do more than that. So we can either be really, really excited and listen to everyone around us, or we can just keep focusing on getting better every day. And I was going to bring up that same point. That's one of the, the main things I've heard about 16 teams in the playoffs is you can go schedule a game that's you schedule it just to see, prepare you for when you face a really tough team later on in the season. Yeah, but I'm not sure a lot of teams do that. I, th- I don't I, think so, but it, I think can. everyone's still looking for guaranteed wins. And I, I, it's just not the way that I'm wired. You know, it's, yeah, you can't get physically hammered every week. You know, my, it sounds so silly, but my value is not in wins and losses. I actually think the scoreboard is one of the worst indicators of success. And it's, uh, you know, we see the growth. We see where we're playing at. We see what we're doing. And, and some of our worst games are games that we win. So if we lose a game, we lose a game. It is what it is. I mean, my dog still loves me, so it don't matter. <laughs> I've, I've moved before i can do it again i don't, I don't want to but uh you mentioned earlier you you knew garen stokes really well who used to be at minster i had to interview him after games for eight years and that sounds like his speech after almost every game <laughs> he, he'd always say it didn't matter what the what the score said he wasn't worried about winning or losing at the time he was worried about doing improving, doing better, doing the best they could do, and figured the wins and losses would take care of themselves if that happened. Yeah, and I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, like, listen, if we if we lost on Saturday, we lost on Saturday. It was two good teams. Uh, we missed some opportunities in that game, but I thought our kids left it all out there. And they did everything that we asked them to do. But, I mean, yeah, I'm happy that we won it. Yeah. <laughs> But well, I'll be honest away. with you, like, I enjoyed it Saturday night. It was awesome. And and Sunday I'm sitting there and I'm like, this is what it feels like. It didn't feel any different than, than a week 12 exit, you know, except except you won. So you're not too angry about it. And uh, and then I just kind of went about my day. I went to eight, eight-year-old basketball, 10-year-old basketball, tried to find something family-friendly on Netflix. And then, uh, and then I watched a little bit of the game, but not much. And, you know, it was uh, then I started making a depth chart for next year. So, <laughs> all right. Well, let's go highlight that game just a little bit here. The first thing I spotted was 437 yards for your Perry team, 280 through the air. That had to have been the uh, the most efficient passing offense we saw in the state championships. Of the yeah, you know, we actually, this year. we actually played two quarterbacks in the game. And, and the one who started the game, he's a phenomenal player. He's, he's really, really good. And he was actually playing a really good football game. I think he was like 9 to 13, 9 to 14, something like that. And two of those are throwaways because they're bad calls. 
And then one of those was uh, was a screen where maybe the guy wasn't in the right spot that he was supposed to be. So he played an, an exceptional game, and his wideouts made some plays for him. Uh, and then in the second half, we went a little bit heavy with our Wildcat quarterback, our do-everything kid. So, you know, I, I thought I was very pleased with the way that we threw the football. All righty. And like I said, 280 through the air. Liberty Center had 275 total for the game. So you you statistically beat them pretty well. Of course, that's not what matters. Yeah, we puttered out a few times. And uh, you can't do that. So I noticed here, I saw you hit a 50-yard pass fairly early in the game. But Liberty Center's defense stopped you on fourth down on that drive. After they punted the ball back to you, you immediately hit a 42-yard touchdown pass, and I saw that one. That was uh, – you talk about a re- receiver got behind a defender, and that quarterback just dropped it right into him on stride. He didn't have to slow down even. Just perfect pass, beautiful touchdown play. Yeah, and Luke, Luke was one of those ones that kind of came into the game unheralded, which is interesting because he was our second-leaving receiver on the season, but he was, he was a little bit overshadowed. Our running back had a really good playoff run especially against South Range and and against uh, Garrettsville Garfield. And then Braden Richards always kind of shows up in big games. But but Luke, the wide receiver there, we thought we were going to be able to take some opportunities with him, and he had a big game. He had like six or seven catches for 160 yards, something like that. So Walt dropped in a really, really good ball there. And that's, that's what I'm talking about. The kid was playing a great game. We just needed something different in the second half. I saw after that score, there was a couple of punts for both teams. You you guys lost a fumble actually somewhere along the way there. Yeah, we hit a big pass play, and then the very next play we fumbled the ball. We hit a pass play for like 30-some yards, and then uh, we fumbled the ball in the very next play. And, you know, that kills, obviously, kills momentum. That's not good. You don't want to do that. But <laughs> And then they score on a fourth and two right before half. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. It was a 32-yard run. I noticed it was on a fourth down. Was that one of those things where sometimes on a fourth down and short play, if a runner gets by the initial line of scrimmage, it's all open the rest of the way afterwards? Is that sort of yeah, what we happened? had a guy in the hole. We had a guy in the hole, and he just missed the play. You know, he's, he's in position and just didn't make the play, and we were maybe a little bit too tight to the line of scrimmage, so some other guys got washed up in there. And, and I mean, they're a good football team, physical, get after it, so – you give them an inch, that's that's what the wing tee is predicated off of. So they'll take it. So you're at 7-7 seven, seven at the half. Good tight game. Yeah. Liberty Center comes out first drive, and they score a touchdown. Broke a nice big 49-yard run along the way. Later on scored. Took the 14-7 lead. It looked like they might have the momentum, and you came out and just hit a couple of long passes back-to-back on a drive. So we actually, the score we actually back got up. into the uh, – you guys will remember this. We got into essentially the same set that you guys ran against Cuyahoga Heights. Can't remember that quarterback's name, but I know Garen pounded him like 40 or 50 times a week or two earlier into the line of scrimmage. Hillsman, yep. Yeah, <laughs> and and in the state title game, you know, it's it's pretty simple count numbers. We're either running over here or we're bubbling over there. And and it, uh, it was something we hadn't busted out much in the regular season, so they didn't have much film on it. And it was time for us to use it. So so it served us pretty well in the second half. All right. Let's see. After the score was tied. Oh, I see. Yeah, that, that's when you hit your 60-yard run to, to take the lead. Go ahead, 21-14. Was that on one of those plays? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Braden just makes a couple kids miss, and he's he's gone. He's a national decathlete. So we're going to miss him. That's for sure. And now at the time, and I'll admit just, I was actually in a house about what? three miles south of the Liberty Center School District line at the time following this game here. I'll go into that more in a little bit later here. But So we're following the game, and the rest of the house is all rooting hard for Liberty Center. I had actually picked Perry to win the game, so you know I had a little <laughs> mixed emotions here. <laughs> but Liberty Center got the ball back and ran it 12 straight times. Boom, 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 just pounding the ball down the field. And then on a fourth down, they fumbled the handoff. That had to been a big play to get your defense off the field at that time, get them a little rest. Well, it helps, right? Now, the difference with D5 football is how many of those kids go and flip around and play on the other side. And especially for us, because we only have seven seniors in the program, only four that play. So, you know, we got we got a lot of youth out there that's, that's turning right around and playing the next snap. 
but you can dictate some pace and some things when you're off on offense. Boy, that sounds like that Marion local team. You ought to play Marion local next year, maybe week one. They've done one drive four hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they, have to come, they have to come to your place, right? <laughs> it's, hey, it's only fair. So, <laughs> I mean, if they'll play Michigan teams, why not? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in favor. That's a... <laughs> So after the after that, what else did we have that? Pretty much became a defensive battle from there on out. You know, we had a couple big plays and stalled out. I uh, saw in your notes, I think we had it on the 16, and we actually false start, and it pushes us ah. back, and we go for it on fourth and seven, fourth and eight. I don't know what it was. Actually, if we don't false start on that, I, I think, and this is revisionist history, which is a beautiful thing. <laughs> I think our quarterback easily gets the first down, possibly walks in. But what it could have showed, and then it wouldn't have been that exciting of a game at the end, and everyone would have been right. upset, right? So we do it for the people. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think, you know, you had a question mark, field goal kicker, and I think that's a fair yeah. question. I'm not a fan of them. I don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to say this, Rebecca. I think we somehow accidentally got Garen Stokes doing this. So we got, <laughs> we got a kid who's a first year football player. He's a foreign exchange student kicking field goals for us. Uh, and that whole unit, it's just so hit or miss for us. So, you know, in, in my mind, we're either going to win the game or lose the game with the guys that have everything invested. And I can sleep that way. If, if we go and we shank a kick or, you know, gets thrown back in our face and it's not a unit that, you know, and Liberty Center has off to them. They're blowing our middle up the whole time. And, and the last extra point kick was real low. Um, so I just saw visions of that sucker getting launched right back into our face. <laughs> and our Spaniard not knowing what to do and booting it the opposite way. And, you know, so we figured let's let's put our best guys out there and see what we can do. And kudos to them. They make the play. They get a sack. You'd rather take the chance on putting it in the hands of your defense than of the uh... – Special teams at that point, huh? Yeah, uh, I, think that, I think that unit, but I, I don't know if it's an overall philosophy or if it's just knowing who your guys are and who your yeah. kids are. And and it wasn't a new concept for our kids. I think our kids would have been shocked if we would have rolled a field goal team out there. I think this <laughs> is my ninth ninth year as a head coach, and I think I've attempted a field goal in four or five games in nine years. So, all right. Well, at Wild. least they did make all three extra points, though. So they. Yeah. The unit came through when they needed it. That had been they'd have missed an extra point. Things would have been even yeah. more interesting down the. Yeah, one the of end, one yeah. of the biggest fallacies in high school football is take the points. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what do you mean take the points? It's you know, and I've I've run the math on it, and I'm not quite that guy from uh, where was he at Arkansas, who was always onside oh. kicks and go for yeah. two and and all that. But we're also not far off. Our two point conversion rates like stupid high. And usually we use it way more at the start of the year just because we don't have a reliable kicking unit yet. But, yeah, that whole take the points concept, well, if I can have three or six, which points are better to take? So I'll take the six. So And in, and in high school football, that three is never a given, is it? I'm a Browns fan. It's never a given, period. <laughs> so. And I said this one, then it got in. Got to get interesting right at the end. You couldn't just have an easy win at the end. Liberty Center gets the ball. They drive down the field again, heading for that tying score. Or who knows? Maybe they'd have tried a two-point conversion. Got all the way down to your 22-yard line before the defense stopped them on down. So a nice game-winning stop for the defense. Uh, it's uh, It was fun. It was good. So I And I'll mention Rebecca. Mm-hmm. Driving up to outside of Napoleon this weekend's. Went sure. through Columbus Grove. I saw one last piece of toilet paper <laughs> still hanging from one of the buildings in the town square. Yeah, so. It's stubborn stuff. So what's the state championship party like in uh, Perry? How do they celebrate there? You know, we drove back in, and and I think a good portion of the town was actually there for the game. And when we drove back in, you know, you get picked up, intercepted by the fire department, and the police, and go through our little downtown area. and. You know, people were out in droves. There were some fireworks going off. Uh, and then there there was a local bar and restaurant, Stroke of Genius, right? Puts all over social media, hey, free pizza, come on out, get some pizza, you know, and they make that <laughs> money back 15-fold in, in beverages. 
Yes. Uh, so Saturday, <laughs> you know, uh, people had a good time on Saturday and, and Sunday there wasn't much, but we're actually, we don't have school this Friday. And the superintendent canceled school this Friday for a parade and an award ceremony. So kind of like how you guys do the coming home deal. That's what we're going to do on, on Friday and, and do some things with that. So that'll be really good. But like the cool thing was our, our choir had a concert for the, um, not the retirement home, but you know, our old people out there, what you call them. They got like an old people's club or something. I don't know. And they did, they did a choir show for them and I'm walking around and, and I got introduced to a lady who said she's our oldest fan and she was 90 years old, stayed up, watched the game and she was not going to miss it. She was in the street when we came back in cheering us on and she'll be there on Friday. So, so it was pretty cool, you know, pretty exciting for our kids and, and you know, it, it should be exciting. For them. It should be exciting for their parents and, and the community members. And then, uh, you know, our strength coach will start ramping things back up here this week. So, all right. Now, before we get to the last, oh, Rebecca wants to know how we did here, right? Yeah. My Harbin computer points favored Perry, and I had Perry. Everyone else had Liberty Center, so that was a good game for me. Glad I now, can make you right. <laughs> yeah, I, I know that was your your motivation all along. I'm sure you told all the players, and, <laughs> and they were this they were anxious for, for that. Yes. <laughs> so before we wrap this up with the last game, I feel the need to do a little name dropping here first. Oh boy. Okay. Oh boy. Yep. As I mentioned, we were actually uh, at my mother-in-law's this weekend, or I was. Rebecca was not following the games, and we were on Saturday. We were having a visit from one of a relative. I don't even want to try to figure out exactly <laughs> how it's related. It's like the son of the sister of your great grandpa, Clem, Rebecca, something like that. Anyway, sure. this guy, this guy was coming to visit. His name was Bill. Let me look here. Steinbrecher. Bill Steinbrecher. Okay. And he was the former athletic director of Valparaiso university for like 25 years. And his son is the current commissioner of the mid of the mid American conference. So he was up in Detroit in the fancy booth watching the Miami of Ohio Toledo MAC championship game that day. And as soon as that game was over, he was coming down to spend the night at, at where I was staying at. So what he wanted was to get back in time for that Big Ten game, of course. And he wanted some Pizzanella's pizza. So half an hour or so before he's supposed to get there, we get on the phone to Pizzanella's pizza in Liberty Center, Ohio. Yeah, that's going to go well. Yeah, we got a message. The town is shut down. <laughs> there is no business here today. Go somewhere else if you want pizza. We're not here. <laughs> so we had a call. Bowling Green, place an order, jump in the car, drive a half an hour to Bowling Green, pick it up and get back in time to, to meet this guy. So this game caused me great inconvenience on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like both towns were pretty much all there for that game, Coach. Yeah, it was wonderful. It was, and, and you know, I talked about that after the game. I, th I thought that, that was the coolest part of it all. You know, uh, Jerome is a, is a Division One, and it's, I don't know, maybe getting close to 20 years old now. So you don't have those generations that have come through there, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and, and when you're in Division One, you see a lot of, a lot of movement of players and things of that nature. And it's, it's just not what we do where we're at. Other people do it and, and good for you. Uh, you know, some kids transfer in and do all these things and, and we may get one here or there, whatever. But um, for the most part, we're, we're doing it with our guys. And, and I think that that's part as well of why the community just buys in so much to it. Because those are kids that they know or from families that they know, you know, those those long lineages. And it's funny when you're talking about you're kind of related to this person. When I first moved to Marion Local, they were saying that my son was going to have a pick of the litter. And I was like, what are you, what are you guys talking about? They go, oh, yeah, because no one's going to have to go home and check the family tree and make sure he'll be able to date <laughs> whoever he wants. And I was like, I thought it was like a joke. And then I was talking to one of the other coaches. He's like, no, no I would talk to a girl and grandma would get out the book and she would go back and she would look and just make sure that we were good to go. I was like, man, that's, that's far cry from what I'm used to. But it was awesome. Man. Yeah, I won't go into the story on here, but I had one potential date kiboshed by finding out 
the relationship was a little too close to be comfortable for my mother. So, uh, yeah, that, that tends to happen around here. <laughs> yeah. I have a story too. It wasn't a date, but I was, I live in Cincinnati. I wouldn't think I'd have that problem, but I was hanging out with some friends and there, one of them's from Rishi and we're like, Hmm, I wonder, turns out we're fourth cousins. So fourth cousins. Okay. That's, he, <clears> the blood runs here, thick even outside of Cincinnati. That's out of Minster. Say, around, around here, fourth cousins practically unrelated because otherwise you. <laughs> no, there was, there's no be... options. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny with the, the Rushi thing, right? Because I learned pronunciation is is subjective. It yeah, uh, sure is. Right, and uh, somebody brought up, and it's funny. You only live out there for two years, and then you get a little protective of things. And you know, somebody said, you know, Versailles. I was like, it's for sales. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. and it's Houston and it's Rushi. I said, let's let's get these things straight here, okay? <laughs> That's for sure. That's a that comes up often of people that we run into they see the area and they go by all these Nate all these towns are pronounced wrong as well that's that's the way it goes so we're a lot of the last names actually if you look at them close but that's that's for darn sure being a monon from the town of whose parents one of my parents came from the town of rushi or the country around it that uh know that area very well so (laughs) so first of all everyone that went to the games that day ought to be grateful that you guys provided a good show because the first game with Marion Local wasn't that much, and neither was our late game. The Division the Four game the weather was beautiful too. Yeah, you Let's got good weather that. compared to the day before. That's for sure. Yeah. So our final game was Cleveland Glenville versus Kettering Alter, and this one also ended up with a running clock. Glenville ended up winning this game thirty-eight to three. Glenville had 461 total yards of offense. Alter had 130. And I don't even know if I need to go through this, but there's Glenville actually had a 92-yard touchdown run called back by a holding penalty at the start of the game. So they looked like they were going to run it right away, and that got called back. But after that, the the thing basically reads as Glenville scores, Alter fumbles. Glenville scores, Alter fumbles, etc., etc. It was a tough game and made me feel really bad. I picked Alter in the upset in this game because it was not <laughs> close from the beginning. I think maybe the Steubenville score was a little misleading. Yeah, that's that's were, what got me. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think people fully grasp how good Glenville is. They played Jefferson at our place in the Final Four last year, and I mean that's it's just top to bottom, really good football team. Yeah, we we mentioned that they had that game against IMG Academy. Stay in a game against IMG Academy is uh, is really something. That's... Yeah, I'm playing Kirtland. They're playing IMG. It's not the same yeah. game. <laughs> but I kind of feel sorry for Division Four. This is the game the state said, you know what? This is who we're going to put up against the Big Ten title game. We'll just stick to this division there, and no one will notice what goes on in that game much, I guess. Because that's no one wants to be up against that Big Ten title game. And if you looked at the attendance, I believe this was the lowest attendance game of the weekend, too. Although years ago, I used to go to all the games. And when I'd get to the last game on Saturday night, I would generally sell my ticket or give it away to someone and get in the car and drive home. I'd had I'd had enough by the time it got to the last game anyway. So there may have been a little bit of that involved in this game also. But So we're not going to get in too much detail on that. But in the end, Glenville wins big. Everyone predicted that except me. I was... Suckered in by the Steubenville game, as you say. <laughs> and that means, Rebecca, in the end, our How guest coach last our guest coach last week, Tom Todd Schulte, four and three in the state in predicting state final games. The computers, the Fantastic 50 and Cal Preps both went five and two. And you and I both went five and two. Okay. And if I'd have just followed the Harbin computer points that I just for fun update throughout the playoffs each week to keep the updates going. You pick the team with the most Harbin computer points. They went seven and zero on the weekend. Ooh. Ooh. Keep that in mind next year, Rebecca. Interesting. <laughs> and that's our review of the state championship games. Hey, coach, we are really glad we could get someone come in and help us out with this. Someone who saw some of the games and, of course, coached in in one of the better ones of the weekend. Thank you very much for being with us. Well, thank you guys. You guys have a good one. Have a great holiday. 
And I All really right. appreciate you guys having me on. So. Yeah, All you right. as well. Sounds great. So, good review of the state championship games. And that should be our last podcast of the year, Rebecca. And we're cutting it close to the end of the year. I should hope so. Who knows when we'll be back sometime in the spring or summer. Once we start hearing some news, the new uh, enrollment counts come in. Everyone's divi- will be shifting divisions a little bit next year. Won't be long after that happens. We'll probably come out with our early preview of the season. A little pick of what the numbers say, who might be the favorites in each division. Sure. So we'll get back to you at that time. If you want to get a hold of us for any reason before that, how do you do that, Rebecca? If you want to send us comments or questions, you can, of course, send them to us at bdmonin at nktelco.net by email. Or submit them on Twitter to at Bruce Monin. Or yell them down the street in Minster, Ohio, or go to Dad's office hours in Bud's at 3 p.m. on a Wednesday. Which I had to cut short today to get here to record this podcast, by the way. We all appreciate your dedication to the craft. The Christmas ales are in, after all. So, yeah. Ah, the 12 dogs of Christmas? Yes, indeed. Amazing. I had my friend who loves his 12 dogs of Christmas had to show up today to partake now that that's on tap. So There you go. Wait, big podcast news, Rebecca? Oh, yeah? In, in my eternal quest to have nothing that I need for Christmas that anyone can buy for me when they ask, mm-hmm. I have purchased a new laptop computer. Today, I finally got the email working, so it is ready to be swapped out. I no longer have to use this one I bought eight years ago used on eBay to run our podcast. Congrats. <laughs> but that means there's one less thing I can buy you for Christmas, but that's okay. Yes. <laughs> You're pretty easy to buy for. Usually I go with candy or croissants and that hits all the all the right oh, buttons. I'm happy. I'm happy already. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> all right, good. I won't stress out about it then. <laughs> so anyway, if you're enjoying this, please subscribe. And as always, be sure to tune in again next year as we do this all over again here on Bruce Bonnet's Computer Points. <laughs>